Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire your walk with God. For more information about our church and community, check out myc3church.ca. Um, while, you're, while you're doing that, I just want to um, say this morning's message is really, uh, well, I think they're all really important, frankly, but I feel like this morning it has the potential to help every one of you. I want to talk about um, emotional health. And um, it's in the context of the D word of discipleship. And uh, it's my second part in a beautiful last chapter. And last week we talked about how the best way to disciple is be be discipling while you're being discipled. So I don't mind repeating a few things for the sake of helping people to understand them. And, um, but this week, once again, there was a, um, those of you who uh, are aware of Eugene Peterson's passing, great man of God, and uh, wrote, you know, 40 or 50 great books, as well as uh, did a, a translation in, um, in um, a Bible called The Message. And... Um, the week before, last week, you know, I was talking about, you know, my, my mom's husband passing away and about, about just thinking about the, the, the last days and then working our end times, our last days, and then working backwards. And how, and I've never met anybody who has not wanted a great life, nor have I ever met anybody that wanted to fail in life. But I've, met, I've watched lots of people self-destruct because they didn't understand how life worked or they didn't plan for what they wanted to be like at the end of their life. Just love hearing the story of Eugene Peterson and at the end, you know, his, some of his last words were, let's go. And that, that thin line between the two realms, the spirit realm and the physical realm, next month we'll talk about the supernatural and uh, next week it'll be, we'll begin with supernatural stories, and then I want to spend the next three weeks talking about um, supernatural. But we gathered on Monday night and we prayed. Would it, you know, to the outside looker, there might have been just a strange bunch of people in here ranting around and stomping and declaring. And, but we believe something happens when we gather together and pray. And we had a fantastic prayer meeting. And we prayed about everybody who was, came forward for a breakthrough last week, and, and I just was thinking, like, in many ways, how can I help <clears throat> everybody to understand and be- best equip them for their best life and not to fail in life, and uh, I think the best way we can do that is we can plan what type of an old person we want to be, and then re- reverse engineer that to then how do I take day-to-day steps to become that. I tried to teach my kids this one simple little thing. Um, never is no one watching. Now, not in a weird way to think that they were being stalked, but to live knowing that they will give accountable for the actions and that even if I'm not around, that they still were aware that someone's watching. Um, we had our grandkids over a few weeks ago and we went out to, for a walk. And uh, have you ever seen those little personal libraries that? where you can get free books, yeah. <clears throat> so we walked past one of those, and, and the ki- there were some magazines for kids, and so I grabbed them for the kids, and we came back, and their mom and dad came to pick them up, 
And she, they said, well, where'd you get the magazines? They said, my little, my granddaughter, she's seven years old. She said, well, technically, Grandpa stole them. <laughs> I said, ratted me out. I said, no, no, I, I'll take something back this week. Promise I will. But never is no one watching, and especially our children, right? Because they don't typically do what we say. They do what we do. So there's always people watching. And so in thinking about that, I want you to turn in your... Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I've just really, really loved reading through this. I'm going to, in a very short period of time, uh, 25 minutes-ish, I'm going to cover three chapters of Timothy, going to give you three application points, um, two uh, life principles, and um, a whole bunch of help along the way. 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong with the special favor God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach many things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Teach these great truths to trustworthy people who are able to pass them on to other people. I, I just think this is a, a perfect picture of the generational transfer of faith and values. You can count either five or four or three handoffs here. It would be like Jesus to Paul... Paul to Timothy, Timothy to trustworthy people who would pass it on to other trustworthy people, something like that. He said, and here's what's important with that, is that we really need to be in, in relationship with people where our faith and our values are either being challenged or being transferred. And that's, his, that's, that's what he was trying to say. Now, uh, if, 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 if what I have to say in these next few moments... Uh, specifically uh, is addressing a situation in your life, it's purely coincidental. But I often hear that sometimes. Well, that word, that was just for me. I, I don't know any of your situations. Well, I know a lot of your situations, but not specifically. But I'm just going to give you this morning, I think one of the greatest single um, things that will guarantee your success in life and one of the greatest dangers that could kibosh, kibosh your success in life. So I want you to listen very closely as we stomp through a whole bunch of things here this morning. The word Christian is used three times in the New Testament. The word disciple is used 246. Obviously, being a disciple is important. The word angel is used 180 times, actually, which is why next month we'll talk about angels. It's really important, being a disciple. Um, Proverbs says that a fool is unable to receive instruction. And instruction is something that puts structure on the inside of you. Do you have somebody that's instructing you? We're told that we're to instruct our children. Why? Because they need inner structures. Um, I found that the first 40 years of childhood are very difficult. <laughs> but we're constantly in need of instruction. But a fool won't receive instruction. I would like to ask you, how open to instruction are you? How open to instruction am I? I need to correct the myth that relationships were meant to make us happy. They were not. They were meant to make us whole. Genesis chapter 3 says that it's not good for a man to be alone. That means many things, but it mo means most basically that life is not a solo performance. And what happens when we, that relationships, when we get into relationships, we find that they hurt us. And if you're not careful, then we stop including other people in our life and we stay in a place of personal hurt rather than moving through it. You won't fulfill your destiny alone, that's very clear. 
Discipleship or apprenticeship is relational, directional, instructional, as we heard last year. It's also accountable. And the term that Jesus spent with his disciples is the term diatribo, which means he rubbed off on them or to rub against someone. My question to everyone last week was, who's rubbing against you and who are you rubbing off on? That's a question. Um, Relationships, specifically covenant relationships, are like mirrors. No one has ever seen themselves. It's impossible for you to see yourself. Oh, you've looked in a mirror. Yeah, you've seen a reflection of yourself. But you don't really know what you look like because you've never seen yourself. Well, you trust the mirror to give you a proper reflection of who you are, which is why we study the Bible because it's meant to be a mirror for us. The Bible doesn't save us. Christ saves us. Believing the Bible won't save you. Believing Christ will save you. And Christ is revealed in the scriptures, and it reminds us that we need a Savior. That's why we study the scriptures. The battle of the ages is over seed. And I think one reason so much is said about our cooperation with the seasons, about siftings and seasons and waterings and prunings, I believe is because each of us are individually a garden or a vineyard or a field. And we're learned, we're encouraged to learn about agriculture because it's part of who we are. You remember you're made from dirt, which makes you a garden. And we harvest the things that we sow in our life. We should have a little sign. As soon as we come into a high offense zone, I should put up a sign. Like you get a danger, corner ahead, slow down. The potential for offense this morning is really high. And I'm, I'm, an, I'm an equal opportunity offender, so whoever, wherever. Um, the greatest purpose or truth or epic adventure in our life is love. The, Paul had said that, that of, of these three great Christian virtues, faith, hope, and love, the greatest is love. Not all truth is equal. Faith is important, but love is greater. There's specific ministries that are, built, are based on either one of those. There's, I know ministries that are based on simply hope. That's a good thing. Or just faith, good thing. But Paul says the greater is love. Did you know you can have faith and hope without being in relationship, but you can't have love without being in relationship. It needs an object. The greatest is love. Ah, oh, let's be named as a church that has great faith. No, let's be a church that has great love. That's the greatest. And it's the most difficult. I find. He says to Timothy in chapter 1 here, um, he calls him his dear son. Chapter 1 and verse 1, it's written to Timothy, my dear son, a relational term, not to be taken to an extreme. He also says later in chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, dear son. It's interesting to me that this, this, the tone of 2 Timothy is completely different than the tone of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, he was in jail. 2 Timothy, he was on his way uh, to death. Certain death was before him. Why is that important? Because we're thinking about a beautiful last chapter. If you knew that you only had a few days left, would you do anything different? Would be some people you'd say, oh, I wanted you to know how much I loved you. Would you say that? I'm willing to bet you would. And Paul called him a son of faith in, chapter, in 1 Timothy. But here now he's saying, okay, my time is up. I've, my time's running out. I'm getting to the end. There's some people I need to remind them of how I feel about them. 
And he said to Timothy, he didn't call him just the son of his faith. He said, my dear son. Term of great endearment. I love how he, he, he says, then he says, Timothy, I thank God, uh, the, God, the God who I serve with a clear conscience, had first lived in my ancestors. I served my, the, you mean Paul had a faith transfer? He did. He says later that, um, um, he says, and I know, um, I know that you sincerely trust the Lord, for you have the faith of your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. This is why I want to remind you to fan into flames. He says, the faith that's in you needs fanning into flames. Can I say this? We are meant to be a church family, but I cannot replace your own family of origin. I love to be the father of this house, but I can't be your specific father. Nor do I want to replace him. We want to do our best to teach the basics of the faith uh, in our family ministries department, but I'll never replace the faith that you share as a father and a mother in your own home. It's meant to live, faith is meant to live first within our own families. He said, we learned, you learned, Timothy, from your grandmother and your, grand, and your mother, Lois and Eunice. I wonder where his dad was. Acts chapter 16 says his dad was Greek. But his grandmother and his mother, some of you would be able to say, I, I still now am living out the faith that lived in my mother or my grandmother. I hope that some of you say, I'm living out the faith that was first lived in my father. <clears throat> Nevertheless, Timothy was a bit timid, and he had to remind him of a few things. And he, then he says later, I would love to spend more time on this. I, I don't have that luxury right now. But I just one thing that's fascinating to me is this fellow named Onesiphorus in chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. He said, this guy, he often visited me, and he often encouraged me. And in fact, when he came to Rome, he was searched for me. Boy, Paul had built, it's, we're, it recorded in Scripture, Acts and the Epistles, over 100 people that Paul thanks that have been involved in his life. Or he and theirs. And he thanks them. This one guy, Onesimus, and I, here's why I think that's important. I found this in our life. The Lord has provided for us. But you know how the Lord provides for us? He uses people. And he said, this Onesiphorus guy, I'm probably saying it wrong. He said, when you'd come, you'd look for me. And when you came to Rome, you searched everywhere until you found me. Gosh, he says, this guy has a word for me. He's an authorized guy who's containing some truth. I need to stay around him. And whenever I'm in Rome, I don't want to miss time with him. He says, Paul has some things I need to hear. There's some people here that have missed some of your destiny because you have disqualified yourself from an authorized voice who is trying to get you to your next season in life. Rather, you went away offended and disappointed, and you cut off your source of destiny. He says here that this, this one guy, he said, may the Lord show him special favor and kindness in the day of the Lord's return, and you'll know how much he, he has helped me. Not only did he bring gifts, when this for us was a gift. In our first church at home, um, for the first number of years, we never, the church wasn't able to pay us very much. And we, we, uh, the only way that we could give, uh, have Christmas gifts for our kids was at Christmas time, there was a special offering for their pastors. And they would give, we, and, and it would come, it would be in cash. And we would have gifts for our kids. When we moved to Calgary, uh, nobody stood up on our behalf and said, we're going to give, make a special offering for our pastor. Why? Because I was the only one. Sounds a bit self-serving. But here's what has happened over the years for us. We've never asked for special gifts from you. We've been looked after by people. Specific people God will place on their hearts. This might sound a little bit crazy to you. But you've not seen a check given to you, signed Jehovah Jireh. It comes from people. How do we meet the needs of and how do we continue the mission? We continue the mission by, mission by people who have listened to the Lord, followed the Lord. The Lord has blessed them, but he's also blessed us in moving forward. 
He says, this guy went instant for us. He's going to have a special blessing because he stepped out over and above and he provided for me. There's Wernisiphoruses in all of your lives. You need to be prepared. If you break a relationship with someone, sever a relationship, that actually, everybody that you come in contact with has potential of blessing you and advancing you and furthering you. And, and here's what we'll often do is we'll, we'll, we'll take an offense with someone and we'll say, you know, and I mean, there's some people you should cut off in your life, but there's other people that the Lord has sent to be a blessing to you and to me. Uh, transfer of faith is a relational transaction. Um, I, he's moving into multiplication in chapter 2 here. He's moving into multiplication. That's what we're doing with live streaming. We want to go from addition, that, you know, on a Sunday, 500 people can hear the, the ministry, to multiplication, to thousands will be able to hear it. My grandson asked me if he helped me with his algebra, and I said, actually, no. I'm, I said, once they start throwing the alphabet in with math, I'm, I'm done. So it's okay in spaghetti. It's no good in math. I'm done. I had to tap out. Um, but he says this, this lived in you. And I, let me just, I'm going to try to move along a little bit as, as quick as I can here. But somehow his mom and his grandmother, I can just kind of see him sitting down. And they're teaching him the scriptures that are able to, it said, make you wise unto salvation. What, what scriptures was she reading? Because they did not have the New Testament. She was reading the Old Testament scriptures. He later on in chapter 3 and verse 16 says, and all scripture is given by, it's God-breathed. Don't let anybody ever tell you that the Old Testament is irrelevant. <laughs> Don't let anybody. It's all, and that, this, is, this is what his mom and Lois and Eunice passed on to him. And he, it was able to make him wise unto salvation. I love that. This is the binary nature of the kingdom of God. Some think it, it's, it's unilateral, it's only one way. It's not. It's not. It's two ways. <laughs> It's like, it's like the Lord wants to give you something, but you have to receive the something he's giving you. It's a little bit like a game, right? You can, you can pass the puck, but the other guy's got to pick up the puck before you can score. Thank you, Terry. High five for that. This is always the case. And it's always your move. I can do my best to, to do with the word that I can, but it's up to you to always respond. Always. It's always an invitation. Um, think of a catch and a pass. It always takes two parts. So my question is, how are things being handed to you right now relationally? And who are you handing the great truths and values to? Discipled and, and discipling. Who are you handing those great truths to? And who's handing them to you? Let me, let me be clear that the church is not a place where people don't have issues. It's a place where we deal with issues. And we always will. We always will. Um, chapter, point number two, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, uh, just loved when Pastor Fan was teaching on 2 Timothy, talked about eight different um, uh, images, eight different um, uh, um, pictures here in chapter 2 of a good, of a, of a, a Christian follower. Uh, I see four in these first few sentences here, and I'll just say quickly, the first one is that of a steward, the second one in verse 3, and you're suffering as a good soldier, second as a soldier. Uh, the third one, uh, follow the Lord's, um, um, become a, become a uh, follow the Lord's rules for doing his work just as an athlete. Either follows the rules or is disqualified and wins no prize. You can't, he's saying that as an athlete, uh, you can't, you, you got to make sure you know the game that you're playing so you can win the game. This makes sense, right? Anybody here understand that? It's kind of, right? You can't use tennis rules to play lacrosse. 
They're both balls. Aren't they okay? No. You've you got to play the, the right game with the right rules. I know, I know we're told that it's all about relationship. It's not, it's, and it is about relationship, but you still got, you got, you've got a responsibility <laughs> to follow the rules to win the game. Well, so why isn't he coming through? Well, you're not playing by the rules. There are rules. And the whole church groans. Well, it's so you can win. <laughs> In order to win at life, you've got to play by the rules. Kelly's got a better revelation on this than me. Okay, and then he talks about the farmer. All right, so steward, soldier, athlete, farmer, so far, right? Two out of four ain't bad. I, I, I know I've got the body of an athlete, but I, I'm not much for sports. <laughs> I get farming. Um, I understand that. And I understand the steward. Paul lived in a military culture, so he was ma- taking metaphors that would mean something to people. And he is these, these two. Um, uh, here's what we need to understand. First of all, a discipler is a steward, and a disciple is a student. When you put those two competences together, you get the spirit of a son. Let me repeat that. A steward, a discipler is a steward because he's been trusted with some truths. And a disciple is a student who needs to be open to receive truths. We're all called to be disciplers and disciples. Let me labor that point. Um, so a steward is meant to be faithful. And a student is meant to be teachable. Okay, I can move on. I understand the hardworking farmer. He talks about verse 6. A hardworking farmer is the first to enjoy the fruit of his labor. I think what's really important, and then he says, think about what I'm saying. And then you'll get understanding. You'll never get understanding without reflecting and thinking about it. Revelation doesn't come to the lazy. It comes to the hardworking. I'm talking about labor, I'm talking about work. You'll find in life that most of your problems are caused because of laziness. If you take the, look for the word lazy as you read through the book of Proverbs, you'll find that they're over and over and over and over again. I'm calling, I'm calling all farmers today. And, he said, and I'm saying this, don't be lazy in tending to your garden. Because sometimes, ah, that's, that's no big deal, we'll just forget about that. Ah, those people, the heck with them, we'll just let them. No, no, don't be lazy. It's your garden. It's your field. Don't be lazy. He said it's the hardworking farmer, only the hardworking farmer. They're the first to enjoy the fruit of their earth. Think about this and you'll get some understanding. And, and, then he, and, then he, and then further on it says in verse 11, it says, think, this is a true and important saying. If you'll die with him, we will also uh, live with him. I think it's so important that we don't forget the, the resurrection in our message. Can, let me just say this to you kindly as you're being good disciples and students and listeners this morning. Dying is not easy. Dying is not for the lazy. Dying is not for the meek. He says, if we die with him, we will reign with him. This is the principle of the seed. Dying to your pride is a difficult thing. Dying to your greed is a difficult thing. Dying to your apathy, dying to your self-pity, dying to yourself. The only way to produce resurrection life is the seed has to first fall to the ground and die. This is the principle of a farmer. It's only the hardworking farmer who's willing to look back at, at the relationships in his life and go, ah, oh, who cares, ah, oh, who cares. Ah, oh, listen, if you don't weed that garden, you're going to get weeds. 
There is nothing neutral in the physical. There's nothing neutral in the spiritual. You are either building or you're destroying. Proverbs chapter 18 says that the lazy person is a brother to the destroyer. We can, are you hearing what I'm saying? Here's why that's important. Because later it says, work hard so the Lord can approve you. A good worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. Who correctly explains the word of truth. If you are lazy, the word of God will never work for you. It takes work to plow that field. Why? Because our hearts are hard by sin. Well, you say, hasn't God dealt with sin? Yeah, he has universally, but not personally until you confess it. It's really quiet. <laughs> Those who claim, here it says in verse 8, uh, uh, but God's truth stands. I'm just going to have to keep going. The Lord knows those who are his, and those who claim they belong to the Lord must turn away from all wickedness. We can't be passive about sin in our lives. It will destroy your last chapter. I'm not going to define it for you. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say you're the tender of your own field, your own life, your own garden. Your own ministry, your own marriage, your own business. What's sown in your business will grow. What's watered in your life will grow. If you're careless about sin, it will grow. There's a part we have to play. There's a part that Christ has already paid. But now it's up to you and I to, to pay the ultimate price of being hardworking farmers. Are you getting what I'm saying? We can't be lazy about some things. Are you talking about works versus grace? No, I'm talking about not being lazy. And he says later on, in a house, there's different types of vessels. And he says this, if you, you'll be a vessel fit for the master's work if you'll purify yourself. Hasn't the Lord done that? Well, have a look at your life. We're to purify ourselves. Well, hasn't he done that? Yeah, he's done his part in that. Now it's up to us to do our part in that. Okay. Okay. I believe that everything in my house is mine. My function and my dysfunction. This is hard to admit sometimes. But the things that have lived in you, they live also in your children. They say, no, no, they got that from school. Um, it's your house. It's your kids. Why, why, why is all this happening in my business? Why is all this? Oh, well your garden. Have a look at the seed. Yeah, but that's not there. Oh, I don't know. what. You're so gross. We know that. Just touching really tender parts. I know. No, 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 but our kids are just rebellious. Yeah, yeah, it's because it's in you. Can't be. Oh, wait, are you, are we talking the same thing? Garden? Tending the garden? Weeding the garden? Pruning the vines. Help us, Holy Spirit. It says, when you see someone who's taken a fault, you first reflect on your own self. And if it doesn't live in you, here's what happens. You can't kick the devil out of his own ground. It's his property. You can't kick him off his own property. Am I making sense? I'm sure trying. Okay, I'm about to make some application. I'm a farmer. What I plant grows. I'm responsible for my harvest. It says, the Lord knows those who are his and who belong to him. They have to turn away from wickedness, purify themselves. Death always produces life. All right. So, last point. Get on with it. I am. Finding relationship and healing. We get wounded in relationships. We get healed in relationships. 
When, it, when we come into a community, large or small, we're faced with the number one issue that's destroying your personal development, your life, your love, your leadership, and your legacy. I can, I can, tell, I can tell you with 99% accuracy what, what will wreck your marriage, what will wreck your business, what will wreck your legacy. And I'll tell you, I can tell you how to cure it, too. Now it gets your attention. You want to know? I'm going to tell you. This alone is the one thing that will damage your marriage more than anything else. Selfishness. Ah, we knew that. Yeah, well, what are you doing about it? We don't like dying to self because we're pretty important. I find I am. Um, you know that, right? Anton LaVey, the author of the Satanic Bible, says that the, uh, the end of serving, uh, serving Satan is not bowing down to an idol or a goat. It's selfishness. This, was, this is in the Satanic Bible. Has anybody seen, has, has selfishness ever popped up in your life or heart? Or we're, 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 we're invited to purify ourselves. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not speaking to anybody specifically, but I'm speaking to everybody personally. That relationship in your life that makes you so angry, no relationship can make you angry if anger is not in you. In the Beatitudes, it says, blessed are the uh, pure in heart, they'll be called the children of God. Why, why or, or they'll see God, blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called sons of God. Why? Because they're acting like their father. Virtually every problem, personal, corporate, global, can be tracked to one source. Think of your thinking capacity as being very limited. You can only think of one thing at one time or one person at one time. And may I submit that many of us think of ourselves more than anybody else. It's the number one destroyer of relationships. It's so it started instantly in the garden. Yeah, that woman you gave me. No, no, no. It's about you. We want to deflect so quickly. Getting into it. I'm going to give you the number one cure. You ready? Humility. Dang. We're invited to humble ourselves. Does God humble us? No, no. We humble ourselves. We're to humble ourselves, and then he'll lift us up. This is not an easy thing. This is the number one killer in marriages. Don't you know it? It's the number one killer of a beautiful last chapter. You get to the end of the road and you say, oh, wait, gosh, it's a bit lonely. It's, well, it's only you in that chapter. It's not good for man to be alone. Well, don't end up in the end of your life with uh, some blank pages and just me in the middle. The number one cure, here's the number one cure that will help you lead to success in your life, in your love, and with others, and that's this, simply this, a teachable spirit. If you're not, you can't be a disciple, you cannot be a disciple. You cannot be a disciple if you're not a learner. And you cannot learn if you're not teachable. Here's the three areas that will keep you from your future. They're unhealed hurts. They're primarily in three areas. Your parents, <laughs> I don't know what else to call it, but romantic hurts in relationship or in life. Truth is, no matter where they came from, you've got them. Every one of us here have them. And they will keep you from having a beautiful last chapter. We need to deal with personal hurt. And, and you may say, Pastor Lauren, you don't know the, what I've been through with these people. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know. I know, it's terrible. I know they're awful. The question is, they're reflecting something in you. Because relationships do function as mirrors. Are you teachable? If so, you can learn from that. This is a very, very big thing. Are you teachable? 
No, no, it's these, it's these, it's them. It's no, no, stop pointing. You'll never be emotionally healthy if you're always projecting on others. There is the issue, and I'm a victim. It'll never work. Three areas. Fathers, I think, are in the worst category, the toughest category. As parents, there's abandonment, there's abuse, there's all sorts of things. In romance, there's rejection, there's betrayal. And what happens when you've been betrayed once, and, or you've been, somebody has, you know, you've been abused once. Here's what happens. It, two things will happen. First of all, you'll begin functioning. You'll begin, things will start to get distorted in other people. Well, they betrayed me. I better not trust anybody anymore. That's just a distortion. Yeah, well, this person hurt me. I better not get into a relationship. No, that's just, that's an extreme. Distortions and extremes are a result of unhealed hurts in your heart. Um, and then, of course, life, you know, you know, um, unhealed hurts. They do, they, they do three things. They hinder intimacy. Lo loneliness, one of the greatest issues in our world right now is loneliness. Loneliness is not the absence of people. It's the absence of intimacy. And we will not, we will not open up our heart and allow people to see into us if we have hurts. I really feel this deeply. The second um, is, yeah, creates, sorry, yeah, hinders intimacy, creates extremes. You get that, causes distortions. Um, what we cover, what do I need to say here, Lord? Well, here's, here's, here's what happens when there's a pain in our life. We take a cloak of shame and we cover it. And we think if anybody ever sees that, they won't accept me. Shame and pain function in the same emotional category in our life. Paul said in the first chapter four times, don't be ashamed of me or the gospel. Don't be ashamed. Shame keeps us from being emotionally healthy. And it's only when we bring something into the light because fear keeps everything in the dark. And what's in the dark is of the domain of darkness. You, we need to have relationships in our life that we can be open with and honest with without fear of judgment, without fear of any form of prejudice. You need somebody in your life. I need someone in my life. If you don't have somebody currently who's discipling you or you are discipling, this is where we learn to make things work and we get healing for our hurts. I'm, I'm concluding with this thought. And, and I, 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 this thought. Lastly, one of, uh, the, the Gottman Institute the guy who wrote the book on emotional health, he said, we can predict a divorce with 93% accuracy. And, of course, everybody's interested in, how, how do you do that? Here's, here's what he says. He says, pardon me, the first thing that you'll notice in an unhealthy or a dysfunctional home, because dishonesty creates dysfunction, and secrecy creates sickness. He says, the, here's, how, here's how we can predict uh, divorce, if there's defensiveness in the communication people want to protect themselves and they push back and and you can't you don't feel comfortable to share something because someone's just they're just going to defend themselves here's what happens is you can never process things things can never be brought into the light if right now you're in a relationship and you can't process things openly instead you are defensive or your partner is defensive and so what do we do we protect our pain i think you get what i'm saying i think this is a this is so we're going to wrap it up this morning and one of the first things that happens is sometimes we think that, that the Lord's really disappointed with us or he, if he knew what I was really like, he wouldn't accept me. That's a lie. He knows exactly what you're like and he accepts you for better or for worse, literally. And there's other people here that are dealing with relational, emotional pain on some level. I, if I, can, I don't know if I can say this the right way, but I think that unhealed hurts will lead to all forms of mental illness because your mind can't take, it just can't reconcile. 
So if you're that person this morning that needs to accept Christ or needs healing emotionally, I want you to, just, uh, as we stand up right now, I want you to receive the word of the Lord over your life today. <clears throat> the first thing we need to do in receiving emotional healing is we need to be the first to forgive. Forgiveness doesn't make the other person right, it makes you free. And secondly, we need to pick our friends, associations, who you've been hanging around with. Did you know that adultery and abuse runs in packs? Just like blessing and favor. Father, this morning, as we've listened to your word and we've heard about the Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.